Hey, what's good? This is Brother Most Underground Footy Podcast. Just letting you know, if you want to support what we're doing here, you can just hit us up on uh, pgyoungboys.com. Anyway, let's get down to the show. I'm back. I got my guy, Matunda. I'm not gonna mess up your last name. Pronounce it for me before I uh before I I, I do. Quiselli. Ah, Quiselli. All right, Matunda Quiselli is on is on the set, and so I have to ask you, just like I ask everyone else, you ready to step on the subway? I'm ready to step on the subway. Let's go. All right. All right. So. For those of you that don't know, I'm going to tell you a little about this guy, and then he can tell you the rest that I mess up. But I met Matunda out at uh, out in Columbus, and uh, he's coaching for Columbus Crew, the uh, U14 team. And you know, that was one of the first things that I noticed was the the diversity of the coaching staff there. And I, you know, that was my first initial impressions and, and of course I've done a podcast with um with Kelvin you know the uh director and I knew I wanted to get you on um I've been following you on on Twitter and for anyone who uh wants to really get to know this guy does not hold any cut cards all right he he says what he means he means what he says and and as he says it's always best to just be yourself, you know? So um, one of the things that I want to do is get your Twitter handle out there because you got some really good stuff. So can you, if you could just give that to the people? Yes. Yeah, uh, I believe it's at rising point one, right? Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> it. It's at the rising point. Uh, and then the number one digit. So T H E. R-I-S-I-N-G-P-O-I-N-T-1. Okay. Now, I'm going by the intro. You're, uh, I want you to tell me about how did you get into the game? First, as, as play, a player, I mean, what is the uh, what brought you into this? Yeah, my dad, simple. Um, it, and just from a young age, right, just playing uh, with him in the park and then uh you discover so I, I was born in Zambia and my family moved to Seattle when I was four mm-hmm. um and so and you learn you know being a Zambian uh and be, you know being from the continent of Africa you you're told oh it's in your blood all the people play uh and you start to learn what that means right it, actually my first uh sport that I could say I truly loved um I always I love soccer but it was always like again that's just a part of the culture mm-hmm. um and i really got into basketball growing up in seattle because i grew up in the 90s in the heyday of uh the sonics mm-hmm. right so that was uh and then growing up i played pickup basketball the the kind of culture that i know you and uh lots of folks that i follow want to rep with the game um cheers sir thank you so much um th- that kind of pickup culture uh i i grew up with that with basketball um but then with soccer just you know playing since i was five six years old um and 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 
just went from there. Um, now, but now you played when you when you got to uh, Seattle. Mm-hmm. Now, were you in a zombie community, or was no. it just you? You were just in with the with the general yeah, population. No, no. Yeah, just, I mean, yeah, we we lived in uh, we <clears throat> lived in the west west side of the city, um, mm-hmm. in this in this uh, housing complex that had uh, uh, yeah, it had some diversity and some different different kind of folk there. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't quite low income housing, but it was you know it was it was a lot of working class folk. Um, there was my, my best friends growing up in that, in the housing complex and the apartment complex were uh, East Indian, a um, couple a family from Mexico. Um, and so we used to, you know, we used to run around a lot and play in the neighborhood. Um, and actually, and we did a bunch of different sports. We played some soccer. Um, there was a little yard, like facing my, our apartment building where we actually played. And again, in a different culture, this is what I mean, in a different culture, that would have been full of kids playing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was myself and maybe one or two other kids who were really into the game. Um, but honestly, we, we did a lot of other things. Like we played, I remember playing um, home run derby, right. We would just, mm-hmm. uh, we'd play some baseball, broke some yeah. windows, got in trouble doing that kind of thing. So, and then I got into soccer just based on, uh, at, you know, at school, playing there with some kids who were also passionate about it. And then by the age of six, seven, um, my parents found some, some, uh, the West Seattle soccer uh, league, or it was West Seattle soccer association. One of those, just like a, you know, five aside league or something that I joined. Um, and then it went from there and I never stopped. Okay. And so how far did you go in the game? Professional. And it was, uh, I played, didn't get drafted in MLS, but I played, I, I was, I made the most of, I think the, my often frail body at times, uh, I'd like to say. So I, I mean, like, I mean to say that I, I walked on uh, at Santa Clara, um, which at the time that was a 2000, it was 2005 when I, when I made the team mm-hmm. officially. And I was um, one of maybe three walk-ons uh, and the program at that time was like number four in the nation. Um, awesome. some amazing players there division one which you know maybe my body type or uh and and my just the level I played at before that maybe you could say uh he's not going to make it there um but I ended up making the team and um so played there but just for one season uh transferred to Seattle U where I finished out uh play so I ended up playing maybe two and a half seasons three seasons of, of, of ball okay. at Seattle U um and then after that I went to uh, I played with the Portland Timbers. That was 2009, and they were USL one at the time. Um, so that was my first real, uh, well, contract or semi-contract, right? It was kind of like you're on the U23s, but you train with the first team, um, which, in hindsight, maybe I, I would have done differently, but um, that's how it worked out. And then after that, I went to uh, Canada, so FC Edmonton of the NASL. Um, and I ended up playing one season there. Uh, and that was it. So that was 2011 was my last contract. After that, mm-hmm. he's a little bit of injuries, but also just you're bouncing around. I was 25 at the time. Haven't really established yourself. It's like, okay, what am I going to do next? Do I keep on bouncing around lower leagues or do I uh, maybe do something else? And so that was my journey in the game. But yeah, I, I'm happy to say that I I reached that far and, 
uh, for sure. It, it, it maybe you've heard us from Ramsey as well and some of the guys, at the Academy, but it definitely informs uh, my coaching and the way I look at the game for sure. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I tend to think that the generation of coaches that are coming now, right. That because they've been through coaches and, and not coaches that had, you know, soccer for dummies in their back pocket, but actually guys who played and were in the struggle, that there may be more of a, a empathy or an understanding as opposed to a more selfish view. Plus, you can give perspective about things these guys are dealing with, especially like in the case of injuries and things like that that are, that are part of the game. You know, um, when I was, w- when our guys were coming up, I mean, they played, you know, and, and, and at the younger ages, these guys are made out of like silicone or rubber. They don't really, there's no, you don't see anything at that moment in time. And as much as they want to play, you'll let them play. Somebody says, hey, can he play for us? You're like, okay, let's play. And it wasn't until around the ages of 12 or 13 and, and the reason I'm going through this is because I have a lot of parents that listen to this um, podcast. And so, you know, one of the things I want to say is that quantity is not necessarily better than quality. And, and when you're younger, you can say, like, especially like when we were coming up and let's say, like, I grew up playing, you know, basketball, baseball, you know, soccer wasn't what my neighborhood friends played. But people say, oh, man, we were young. We just played and played and nobody ever was injured. I said, but the thing is, you could automatically say the guys come knock on the door. Hey, you want to play? And you're like, "Ah, I feel like it today. And you go on about your business. These kids these days, they I mean, if you got four training sessions a week, they're expected to go to four training sessions a week. They don't necessarily listen to their bodies because, you know, that (laughs) that's what they do. You know what I mean? They play they play ball and. And they do it differently than what people in other cultures may do as far as the way they play all the time, but they're not forced to play. It's like, it's, it's a labor of love. And, and I would assume I'm not from any of these other places that some days they might go two, three days and maybe they got to work with their dad or whatever. And they're not playing, you know? Yeah. My, I, so first I'd say my, for me personally, my, um, playing experience has uh i think it provides a great um lesson in humility in the sense that you know as a as a coach there's a struggle when you're in front of players there can be a struggle sometimes to not necessarily just to be taken seriously but rightfully so as kids age and they have their own experiences they want the adult in front of them to prove something to them. Number one, prove that you care about me, right? So there's an element of trust. Can we trust you? Um, and then once, obviously, that there's the care element, but then there's also the, um, well, do you know what you're doing, right? So trust. Yeah. And obviously, if you're, uh, I mean, I'll use the example of Diego Maradona because he's like the extreme example of like one of the best players ever to walk the earth who, a lot, I think a consensus we can all say maybe wasn't the very best coach. Right. So that just kind of proves the point that obviously like the very best players don't always make the best coaches. However, if you've, and Maradona proves this, even though he's maybe an outlier, but the point still stands that if you've played at a certain level, well then 
automatically you have maybe a little bit more in your bank in terms of trust for a certain age of kids, right? Youngest yeah. kids don't really care, but you know what I mean? Like an academy kid. Yeah. You know, you're a national team player, former national team player, whatever you played in the champions league. It's like, okay. Players will be like, Oh yeah. I want to learn from that guy. That's not my story. However, because I've played at the levels that I did and had that experience and know what it's like to try to uh, be a player and strive and fight just to get noticed or just to make a team and just to get playing time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's, there's humility in that, in that I'm, so number one, I first still think of myself as a player in the sense that I'm always, you know, maybe you, I, you know, you, you ask Kelvin, ask anyone at the crew, like I'll be the first to jump in with the U19s or with the, whoever is like, Oh, do you need a coach. I want to play. I want to play. Um, so I always, Cause I always want to play the game. I'll, I'll always say, always tell players the very best thing is playing as much as I love coaching. I, I don't, I don't think other coaches are lying when they say that they love coaching more than anything. I, and not that I just, me personally, I'm very comfortable in saying that the very best thing is playing full stop. You ask me now, would I rather coach or play? I'll say, I'll play. Let's play. Um, what that does for, for the players I coach though, is I think it really, it allows me then to step back and say, well, I've got to serve them because it's their journeys. Right. So, and I understand that. Uh, so because of my playing history, if that if that makes sense. Yeah. So how did you get into the coaching side? Uh, just once that the my journey, right? My my odyssey as a player was was really wrapping up. I thought, well, um, I, I like teaching as well. And so that being a student of I mean, I have other passions, of course, but they all what I found within the game was a way of connecting with with people, with young people especially, and, and of making a uh, change of building community. Um, and that's, and, and of course, maybe we'll get to this later, but that's what created, you know, my organization, the rising point. Um, and, but what I love about the game, what I always loved about the game was the camaraderie, um, and the way that you could, you know, navigate this space, right. With, with, uh, teammates and, and, and go through these moments together and, and create beauty. Right. I know that maybe that sounds corny, but I think the game is an art. It's like it's like a, a band, right? Making music, um, which is, again, why I look at the game a certain way and why I want it, why I'd like to play a certain way. Um, so what got me into coaching was learning from uh, from mentors and wanting to be uh, a catalyst for that process for young kids. Right. How do I facilitate that? Well, I got to learn how to take my ideas about the game and my playing history and all that and then learn how to channel that to helping other people uh experience the, the the wonders of the game that's now, now, now i would say i can definitely relate to the music side right because that was something that i did for a long time and then it reached a point where i was like hmm i don't know if i'm gonna get to the level i want to get to but i was like at the point where man i'm so sick of this mess i'm gonna go drive a truck i didn't even want to <laughs> listen to me i was i was you know i was a little salty for a minute and then, but it's what you love. You always go back to it's like, you know, when they say people grew up in church and they leave, but somehow or another they end up back, you know? So I would say, you know, I see the same thing in, in, in soccer or football. And, you know, but the thing is now people want to know. So, okay, you're coaching. There's tons of coaches. How did you end up at Columbus? Me personally, how did I end up at Columbus? Well, that 
honestly, it was uh, people opened doors for you. And I, I have to shout out Dennis Sanchez for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dennis was, was uh, someone that I met in Seattle mm-hmm. and uh, working with him with, within the uh, Washington State um, elite player development um, uh, system or pathway. And, and just, and just, I ran it, you know, he and I crossed paths a few times. Um, and he reached out to me when I was doing a camp in Ohio already with rising point, I was doing a high school oh. camp up in the Cleveland area. Um, and he calls me randomly and just says, Hey, you know, what's going on? We connect. Um, and then also it was crazy uh, unbeknownst to him. There was a, I, I wouldn't even say a mutual friend, but a mutual uh, contact that he's, you know, mm-hmm. that also put, um, well, he's a, he's a friend now, but um, he, somebody who, who put my name out there and, and, and made a recommendation for me that Dennis, you know, circled back with or didn't. So all these basically yeah, all yeah, these I mean, things aligned, right, to like get, and, get and me what? the opportunity. Um, but 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 real quick though, is that's to your point earlier about you never know who's watching, right? And and or I guess I would say to to change that a little slightly is um the impact that you or the the feeling that you leave people with um and how you work with people is important right and yeah. and obviously sometimes it doesn't go great mm-hmm. uh but those relationships you know you have to the reason you got to be consistent about who you are and always be true to who you are oh maybe you can hear my son in the background mm-hmm. um beautiful sound i missed that sound it's been a long time but um <laughs> no you is that you i you know i didn't realize when i was because it had been like at least four or five years since I, when Dennis, before Dennis called me for the crew position to interview, um, that I had worked with him, you know? Um, yeah, but you made, but you made an impression, obviously. That was, uh, yeah, that was what I was looking for. <laughs> to make an impression on folks is that like you, you, but how you are, right? And it's, I, I, it was genuine enough. The work he somehow thought of me in some way, maybe there are other people he thought of as well, but it just so happened that he called me, and that's that. That was really that simple, honestly. I didn't and, and, and to and didn't to, plan for it. And to bring that back around to, you know, the fact of like I always tell young players, I don't care if you're playing pickup, I don't care what the situation is. There's always someone watching, right? And so you can't like you know some kids they want to say hey. Hey, guys are getting, getting together to play. Well, who's playing? It's like, it doesn't matter, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and at the same time, sometimes you get kids, like, you know, when they're young, they come back, and you know how you, you put together your little pickup groups in training, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they would come home and, man, my team was selling. I, man, I had such and such and such and such. And, and what I got to them was this. This was the message I sent. I said you carry your team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, if you're going to be a competitor, it doesn't matter who you're with. You lead that group. And, and I get, and, and guess what? Sometimes coaches do put you with not who you might select so you can crush everyone. They want to see how does this dude react if he's the band leader instead of a member of the band. And, and you know, and, and I know that there's so many, I realize it now, there's so many mental games or mental challenges that I don't want to call it games because that kind of makes it sound like, you know, but mental challenges that coaches put forth for players. And, you know, mommy and daddy can't always help you because ultimately 
It's about how you play, right? And, 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 and the impression you make on people. Because I've seen guys that were really talented, but they just maybe were jerks. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's about relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And it's about, um, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, football is not a game of actions. It's a game of interactions, right? And yeah, it's, a game of, it's a game of how you um, relate to, how you navigate uh, space and how you relate to other people within these spaces, right? And then, and if you learn the game in that way, uh, it, it it changes the way you you see it and the way you 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 behave, right? So absolutely, when that's awesome, that's the best thing about pickup culture, right? Yeah. Is that you you you're thrown into this environment where uh, you have to really get to know the people that you're playing with in order to be successful. So if you're playing king of the court, whatever, or uh, yeah. or even if you're just you're know, like yeah. competitive at all. Uh, the first thing you got to do is start to really, really understand how the different parts of your team operate. How, yeah, how the if you need to move someone maybe who um, isn't themselves, right? Or, or yeah, if you're really good or where, or if you're really good, you got to figure out where should you play? Uh, it's funny watching pickup and watching players organize themselves, even at, yeah, I mean, the academy sessions when I, when I would do this with the, the younger teams, like, watching how kids position themselves or position other players is really interesting because you're starting to learn how they recognize their own strengths and the strengths of their teammates. Right. Mm -hmm. The thing about it is how many kids really struggle with understanding number one, uh, what, what they do well, they themselves, like, what am I, what is my contribution, but also like how their teammates like to play. Right. Mm -hmm. The first thing you got to do in my opinion is understand like, who you can connect with, who you can combine with. Um, and notice right there, I just prejudiced sort of the way I look at the game, right? Because I'm already thinking like a midfielder there, right? Like, oh, who can I, if I have the ball, who can right, I like right, right. Who can I with? combine with? You know what I mean? You know, exactly. And, but but that's, that's the lens with which, that's the lens with which I learned to see the game. I didn't always see it that way. Um, but that was part of my maturation is to understand like, listen, I'm one, I'm one part of what's going on out here. And in order to be successful, I've got to really be tuned into uh, how other people operate. Okay. Now, I'm going to take it to, I mean, I know you've been watching the Euros. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm not going to date our podcast by telling exactly which games we're on. <laughs> but Why I'm not? Gonna... Why not? Would... <laughs> okay. Today I watched I watched England and Denmark. Yeah. Yeah. Know? We're, we're, yeah. <laughs> and, uh. And I'm also, you know, I'm very excited about the uh, the, the the Brazil Argentina oh. matchup. Yeah, wait. And, and it's funny though because as I'm watching these, the, the, you know, I see all these, you know, because because I guess Twitter is kind of an echo chamber in as much as you have a certain group of people you interact with, and so like one of the things that I've seen is people complaining about the fields. Right. Oh, at, at Copa America. Yeah, Copa America. Right. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> that's that's kind of funny because also the, the complaints and, and we've talked about this behind the scenes about certain players and their styles of play. And again, I go to music. Right. Look, you got the Wu-Tang Clan. 
And then you got, okay, no limit soldiers. I mean, I know I'm dating myself a bit, but at the same time, everybody in those areas were just as excited about their crew. Those music, they sound nothing the same. And, and football is the same way. It's like, but what I see, and, and, and I think we discussed this, um, and I know I kind of I kind of had the order I want to go in. We're going to, look, I go with the flow, right? Oh, you're, yeah, do you? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, man, do so you? I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, you know, like, I really enjoy watching Paul Pogba play, yeah. right? And when I hear people just bashing them and, you know, I, I make them, I watch ESPN FC. And then at the same time, because I came into the game later, right? I don't have the old school stuff. I don't even have a lot of the history, like certain guys. So when I hear somebody like Roy Keane, and sometimes he's, he's more like, well, he could be better if he does this, 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 and this. Now, I'm not going to say that that may not be true. But I just feel like I don't hear that with certain other players who need to do. And as someone pointed out, Zizou played a lot like Pogba. Who pointed that out? <laughs> I think it was Kev. <laughs> I don't know. Was it you? <laughs> but uh, I'm not. I don't think I'm not breaking any ground there. But I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm just referring to, yeah, something that I, that I did say because I'm you just said it today though. So, you know, I just, I yeah. flash through those feeds so fast. I, sometimes I don't give credit. I apologize. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry. That, that wasn't me seeking credit. I'm just saying that I, I've, you I've said that. that I've heard that. And I've, I've right now, it. now to be honest with you, I didn't yeah. see as much as Zizou as I did a Paul. Yeah. And it's, listen, no, it's not a, it's not a, like uh, some people might listen in and be like, well, actually they're there are these differences and yeah it's not a yeah, like well, not a 100 carbon me. copy but my <laughs> you met you touch on some interesting things and i'm listen I've, I've been very clear about this um and it's connected to a lot of things going on in the world right i don't just look at the game of football we, we can't look at soccer football just in and of itself without the larger forces at play here right mm -hmm. that impact the way people uh talk about the game uh, view the game, um, experience the game, right? We're talking about people, right? Yeah, it's a sport. We're, it's a sport played by people, people who are affected by, by these forces, okay? Mm -hmm. So when you have a Paul Pogba and you hear what's said about it, it makes you, and you connect that to other things, it's, it, it becomes clear that, like, that this man is so... And it's not just about him, and that's the issue, right? Because it's right. well, if it was uh, one guy, it would. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. You start seeing yeah. a similar uh, similarities, because I'm going to tell you something. Mm -hmm. Look, when we play ball over here with with, with PG Young Boys, we got guys that want to come play, mm -hmm. right? Now, the the majority of the kids are black. But the game is universal. Mm -hmm. And just like, you know, and I always compare it to the Rucker. That's always been the vibe that I wanted, which is a park in New York where the best come play. They had it here, too, at Barry Farms, right? They had summer leagues, and you would see Kevin Durant playing a whole different way. He spoke different languages. Just like the way you got a dialect. I mean, shoot, if you're from, if you're from up north, the way you talk to your homies 
could be totally different than the way you carry yourself in a boardroom. And that's because you can speak two languages. But for a lot of these people, they only speak one language. And so if, if, if you're not speaking it the way they want to hear it, meaning if, if, if let's say, you know, a guy comes from Jamaica, they may have a style of play, which at the end of the day, when you're talking about the differences between black and white players, sometimes it just seems like, okay, you, you don't like this, right? Now, Neymar, he's another one. He's got a way that he plays. I enjoy watching him. But at the same time, you know, there may be parts of his game that I don't like, but I don't put it in a container of, you know, and I like this guy more. It's just, it's, it's, it's an individual thing that I'm looking at. Yeah. You know? uh, I was, well, I was just saying to be blunt and, and the, the issues with, um, and what I've been, what I've tried to be clear about with my, you reference like my Twitter and be vocal about mm-hmm. certain things is that what we're talking about is the, the proliferation of dominant narratives about the capabilities of uh, black bodies, black and brown bodies. It's that simple. And, and how that's often determined by white males, right? And that's the, di- and then, so that becomes an echo chamber of, well, this player is labeled as, with Pogba, you can say, I think Roy Keane actually said it in that video, is like, um, you know, ill-disciplined, for example. You know, and that becomes, you know, this all-encompassing thing. Um, And it's interesting because what people, well, I I would say a lot of people realize it, but they may not have the power to, again, to run the narrative, which is the point, right? Um, Is that what, what what people need to realize is that, like, on the one hand, you can critique any player. That's... Of course, you can. And, and not saying, of course, that a Pogba or Neymar are perfect. And it's funny because even – and people close to me, um, my, my like my brother, for example, if you ask him, um, I've had several critiques about Neymar, several critiques about Pogba. Um, I'm not even a Manchester United fan. I don't root for them in the EPL. I don't like, like them to win. Um, that being said, I absolutely am fed up with certain narratives be taken – being taken as gospel just because a certain group of people says it. Right. And, and my point about football being part of a larger social need to be taken, all, all this needs to be taken in context within the larger social struggles is that we know, for example, that racism is a problem in football. We know it. Right. And now, but then the, but the question is, well, okay, how does this racism manifest? How does it show itself, right? What does it look like? What does it sound like? What is, you know, how does it, um, in the day-to-day, what are the things that are overt that are like, oh, man, that's bad, that's racism? And what are the things that are, that are subtle, that, the, the things that we just let pass that are also problematic? And here's where we come to the issues with the Pogba and, and, and the other players and Neymar that are seemingly subtle and just passed off as, oh, but it's just a difference of opinion or it's my opinion. Or in the case of these of pundits who have, hey, of course, ex- done things in the game that I wasn't close to, 
right? I'm not, and it's not about that, but it's just about looking at the game and also hearing what people say, right? When you say things that are just on their, that, that have so many holes in them, right? It just, that just don't pass any logic, but then because of who you are and because of your platform, it's taken seriously. That's a problem. We have to recognize it as such. So this is why uh, there's videos about Lampard, right? Talking about Pogba and, and, and or Roy Keane. When you talk about someone being, well, they're just ill-disciplined. Coaches, all coaches, regardless of their color, if they're serious coaches, they should understand that one of the things that, that poor coaches do or not so good, maybe not so experienced coaches, is they use sloppy language. To me, that's sloppy language. So if I would question, even Roy Keane was sitting in front of us right now, I'd be like, okay, but Roy, what do you mean by ill-discipline in the context of the game that we just watched Pogba play, for example, in, right? What do we mean? And, and okay, be, be really detailed here. Like, what are we talking about? Because here's the thing. It's funny that you jumped that, you know, in that video that, that you sent me, Roy Keane and Vieira talking about Paul Pogba being ill-disciplined. I if I in and we can watch the video. I think I remember clearly the ball that he gave away. He made a mistake. He gave the ball away. It was near midfield. They were talking about it like it was like on the top of the 18 or like in their own third. Right, the guy right. goes past five, six players still to score the goal. Now I'm not that's not me saying that Pogba is, is no blame and and it is and it's all his teammates. No, but what I'm saying is it's nuanced. This is my point. It's more complex than, oh, Pogba's deal discipline. And isn't it interesting that that's the first thing you jump to from a player who, to be perfectly honest, in my opinion, was one of the top five players in the tournament. Pogba was, was France's best player. He was, he was consistently – in that game, he did things that were just outrageous. And if we really want to talk about it, had uh, – I think it was Kinsley Coleman or someone – or maybe it was, it was Mbappe as well – there were two passes at least that Pogba put guys through that were unreal passes that they didn't score on that you would think, Oh man, if only they had scored. And of course he scored an amazing goal. Now, do you see all the things that I just went into about the good things he did, but also pointing out that he did these things. And when you comes to Paul Pogba, it's like all this other good thing, all these good things don't even matter because it boils down to, yeah, but he's just ill disciplined. And the other thing is on the one hand, people want him to do everything. Right. What a curse it is to be that talented that people think you should be able to do, you know, the, the defensive work of a Roy Keane, the offensive work of, of, you know, of a Messi and, you know, the, 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 the up and down of a Gerard. Well, that's not Pogba and that's okay. Why not just celebrate the man for like, you know, the amazing he does, right. You know, so so my so boiling it down, the whole paradigm is off. And why is it off? It's because, and this is where Neymar and 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 all these other players are connected. It's because there's still a battle. People don't often call this out, right? For well, what it is, like- but it. Be, hold on one second. It's because there's a battle between this this normative white gaze of oh, this is what is acceptable. Mm-hmm. Okay, and just dealing with the black body still in athletics. We have so many cases of, of, of that. And it's like people freak out and they, they don't even know what to, they don't know what to do with the Pogba, right? It's insecurities. It's, 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 and it's, it's, yes, it's racist because you're still going back to these tropes that we know are not true, right? Paul Pogba, you can't boil Paul Pogba down to ill discipline. Like, what does that mean? So the man doesn't think, do you know how many languages Paul Pogba speaks, by the way? 
No, how many? I, I think he speaks like four or five languages. Like he's, you know, I mean, he's, he's, and it's well documented, right? He's a, he's an influence, influential guy. And, and, and the only reason I bring that up is because these are things. So first, and he's, he's a Muslim. These are facts, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a guy who is, is, is fasting, right? So I'm, I'm specifically tackling the ill-discipline charge here, right? To point out the ridiculousness of this and to point out people sometimes don't zoom out. How do you call someone ill-disciplined when they are uh, a, devout, a devout, you know, follower of their, of their faith and they do something, you know, that drastic as fasting and still playing a professional sport? Like that's, I couldn't, I, I don't know how guys do that. They do it. So there's that. There's the languages they speak, which is just an, an insane form of intelligence, right? People talk about all the time, like, oh, I wish I was bilingual. Imagine speaking three, right? He speaks very good English. He's, he's, he's right. He, he played, uh, he played in Italy, right? Mm-hmm. Speak Spanish. Like, are you kidding me? Like, this is a guy who's just on another level with this, right? That, but you're going to tell me that he's ill-disciplined because Roy, because, uh, Roy Keane said so. That's well, not good enough. I mean, and, and like I said, I, I'll break it down even, even more simply see like, cause you're, you're a coach, right? I'm a guy that loves to watch ball. I can manage a game probably, but I'm not a coach. And I would say this, the value, the value of different things to different people. So in other words, he may not value the, 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 the defensive duties as much as he values his offensive abilities. And you know what, as a coach, wouldn't you balance that out? You know, the, you know, the, 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 what do you call it? The pluses or the, the things that your players do well. I mean, even you look at your four teams, you know which one, which ones do certain things really well. And and I've seen coaches balance the field. I mean, I hear them talk about, oh, we put two sixes and then we got a 10 that doesn't stay home or you know, whatever. And 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 even on outside backs, you have the defensive guy, and you got the guy, the marauding wing back, who really is a winger who probably can't even who may not even be able to defend 1v1 or does not have the desire to do so because he's using his energy for other things. I mean, because soccer is a a sport that you do have to decide how to use your resources. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, What it says to me is the relationships of the players, relationship of the coach to the players and understanding how to use your guys. Uh, there are several players like this where it's like they're great in one, in one environment, one system, then they go somewhere else and it's completely different. And why is that? In large part, it's because, yeah, they're, they're asked to do different things and the pieces around them are different, which speaks exactly to your point of, well, if you're a coach, then part of your job is then to, to determine which people you're going to give more of a free role to and which people you're going to say, hey, your role is uh, more defined. Obviously, there's a lot of freedom within the game of football, which is beautiful. But but some guys certainly have more defined roles. Right. right? I've seen, and, I, yeah. I've, so absolutely. I've seen guys that they basically go wherever they want on the field. And, and then they, the expectation is the other players will know to flow into that space. And, yep. and compensate until the guy maybe decides he wants to come back, you know? Yep. Um, 
I mean, I've heard people say that about Messi. He, he just wherever he wants to be, and nobody's going to tell him. Yeah, he's Messi. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, mean, I used one of I used arguably the best in the world. No, no, it's a good, but it's a good. It's an But, it's, but it's, it's like yeah. you won't hear you won't hear somebody screaming at Messi to get back, right? Well, but the, and that's but I still think that when the case of Pogba, because we brought we brought him up in Euros, it's it's. I want to juxtapose. I'm going to throw you. It's not a curveball, but I'm going to really highlight what I'm talking about in terms of the the black body here, because I'm going to point out another French player who um, has a lot of things said about him that a lot of people think are compliments that I also think are are problematic, uh, and that's N'Golo Kante, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe you know where I'm going with this, but N'Golo Kante is fantastic at what he does, right? Yeah. And he's more of a he's more of a holding mid slash box to box player than a Pogba is. Right. Would you figure right. And, and I, I don't think anybody, so there's intelligent people watching this, right. Intelligent football people. Everybody knows Kante doesn't have the all around skills that a Pogba does. Right. Especially like in the attacking third, like he doesn't, he doesn't do the same things. Now what's interesting about Kante. What do you know? What word is commonly used to describe him by pundits and people there's one word that I hear over and over and over again about Kante. Mm. I mean, it basically is like he he he's got a motor. Like there's that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. But the 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 word is humble. The word is humble. So that and makes it, an assumption that he should be arrogant. No. Well, what I'm the thing about that <laughs> that it's it's. It celebrates so people go on and on, especially about how he basically stays in his lane. He's not flashy. Mm-hmm. He's not uh, even. They talk about the car that he drives, right? The fact that he's like and his cell phone had a crack in it. Yeah, whatever it is, they just right, bring right, it. They right, just right. big up the fact that he's so humble. Now, the reason I'm juxtaposing that with Pogba is because Pogba's criticized for things that have nothing to do even with football, right? For example, the, his hairstyle. Right or his is the way he dances. No, these are right. This happens. Right, right, right. And I'm saying it's so fascinating to look at these two players, right, who are both obviously you know Africans in France playing for the national team, and and the difference in how they're treated in the press and whatever. And they're both world class. That's the other thing. They're both world class. So why the two differences? It, Pogba takes up more space, right? So, like so actually, your, so, so your thought would be he's more he's more threatening. 100 percent to the white game he's, he's more threatening to this, to this <laughs> Kante the reason people are so comfortable with N'Golo Kante being humble is because the idea of black people being assertive being controlling being I'll be flat honest being the best in in the case of Pogba Pogba is often the best player on the field in a game that he's playing it doesn't matter whether he's playing club or country Right. There are certain games, of course, that he's not when there are other players who you're like, oh, that player's better. But often Paul Pogba is the best player on the field. He proved that in his Euros. And there are other times Paul Pogba is a player at Juventus who was they absolutely loved him. Right. And now we go back to people saying things and we're taking him as gospel that the video of Lampard talking about Paul Pogba at the Juventus days. Right. Said something, I think, so ridiculous. Right. That, that it's just like, how do, how do people not see this when he said that, like, He's in a room full of journalists or whatever, and he's talking about how, you know, oh, we've kind of built up this idea that Pogba was was really good at Juve, and he, he kind of jokes about it to the audience, like, well, 
I don't know how much, how you know, how much Italian football you all watch. I mean, to be honest, probably not that much. Right. And it's like, this, and so it's idea that like, wow, you just admit that you didn't really watch, right. Syria. You didn't watch Pogba play at Juventus, but of course he couldn't have been that good. Right. And like, how ridiculous is that? Imagine being a coach, right. Imagine being a coach. And I'm like, I just get this new player on my team who other people say was just amazing at their old club. Right. Or this other league. And they just killed it. Like a lot of people say it and there's, and there's video footage and there's all this of, of this young player just being boss. And then I go, I mean, yeah, I don't, I didn't really watch it, but it couldn't have been that good. Ah. You, you see what I mean? I'm it's so lie. arrogant. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. But you can, he can say that right. and be taken serious. That's a problem. So now back to this Conte idea of, oh, people celebrate the fact that he's so humble. That's again, yes, because he's less threatening. Because I'm, are you comfortable with the, you, you don't know what to do with the guy who's, yeah, maybe makes you a little bit uncomfortable because he's flashy and he's all this, even though I, why that makes you uncomfortable, it's on you. I don't, you have to determine that. I don't know. It's not for me to determine, but I know it does make you uncomfortable because you won't shut up about it. Oh, why does he dance so much? Why does that matter to you? Yeah. The man can do just about anything on the field that you want him to do. But you're upset because he's dancing yeah. and, and you right, think that right, it's a right, problem right, because right. he well, moved through it. Well, like, okay, let me bounce to another topic while we're here. Yeah. You, you can you can see I'm I'm really passionate about that no, one. Though. No, and that's and that's why I wanted you on here. Um, so one of the like like you remember that that period where you had Sterling went and bought his mom a house. Oh yeah. Then Foden, I think it was yeah. Foden, did the exact same thing, and that newspaper. The headlines was like, one was like, oh, man, Foden's such a great son. He brought yeah. his mommy a house. And yeah. then the other side, it's like, this guy gets a new contract. And now he's out here buying houses and cars. Why are you in this man's pockets? The, First the, of all. Yeah. And now you answer me why they're in that man's pockets. No, there's. Hey, that was part one. We got a little long winded, so we released this one. Part two is coming soon. Hope you tune in and enjoy. Thank you.